Warning. The Third Pop Podcast may contain language and content that may not be suited for any of those digidescent bricks. Viewer discretion is advised. Please be aware that spoilers for a series may occur at any time, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect those of Dub Talk as a whole. So for all the old Digi fans out there, this little number's for you, baby. Even for Hello and welcome to Dub Talk, the show where a bunch of nerds get together and talk about a recent dub or dub announcement. I am Roots of Justice, and today I'm joined by Jet. Yo, what's up? For the final announced episode of our Dub Talk at the Movies initiative, we're logging into our childhoods and discussing the continuation of one of the most celebrated anime to come out of Saban and their dominance of kids' TV, with Fox Kids and Digimon Adventure Try. So, uh, Jet, before we start, um, do you have any particular memories about the Digimon franchise? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Uh... I discovered it around when I was like uh, eight or nine. It was actually like a little bit right after I got into Pokemon. I said, like I saw some commercials for it and I thought this looks pretty cool. As I uh, as I and then one day I finally got around to seeing it on Fox TV. Uh, like I remember, I always had arguments with my brother over whether or not we should watch Pokemon or Digimon because he was more into Pokemon. Uh, but every now and then I was able to wrestle away the remote from him, uh, and those were pretty good times. Yeah, and um, up here in Maine, we didn't have a Kids WB affiliate for the longest time. So we would only get like the first 48, 49 episodes of Pokemon. And then they repeat over and over again. So then it was like 2000 or so when Fox Kids picked up Digimon. It was similar enough. Happened to quite enjoy it. And... It wouldn't be for another year or two that we'd get a Kids WB affiliate and then the Pokemon Digimon Wars started up. Ah, those were the days. Well, they never really ended, but still. (laughs) One side just got quiet. Well, one side also didn't really get much new stuff, so. That is true. And uh, one more thing I'd really like to get into before we start the episode proper. Little minor rant. In the beginning of the movie, the opening song in the Japanese version was Kojiwata's Butterfly, uh, a new cover of it, and then he passed. So what does Toei do when they localize the movie for American audiences? We, <laughs> we get a weird rap. Okay, okay, I think where credit is due, I'm pretty sure they recorded that bit before he passed away, but that's still really weird. Probably. Yeah, and it's not even the original Digirap. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, uh, like, yeah, like, seriously, if it was at least, like, the original rap song, I would have been like, okay, whatever, nostalgia. But it's an entirely new thing, so it's like, why didn't they just use Butterfly? Especially since they use a Japanese ending thing anyway, so that just makes it worse. Yeah, so, getting into our ADR script and directors, um, our director's a relative newcomer, Ryan Johnston. Uh, basically working as a recording engineer at Studiopolis on things like Sailor Moon and Glitter Force. Um, only recently really getting directorial roles with uh, Digimon Adventure Try and later on Terra for Mars. Now, I'm pretty sure he took over Naruto Shibuden too, because Mary Elizabeth McGlade isn't doing that anymore. Oh, that could be. It, it just wasn't listed on ANN is all. Uh, that's, and, uh, cause I remember her tweeting about that, so... Okay. 
And um, as for script adaptation, we have two script writers for this movie. Uh, the first is Ardwright Chamberlain, who also worked on the four Madhouse Marvel shows. Uh, Iron Man, Blade, Wolverine, and X-Men. If you happen to have G4, those happen to be on there. I think they're still on Crackle, too. Um, he also worked on Zatch Bell and Tiger and Bunny. And our second writer is Mark Ryan, who worked on things like Pokemon Advance, uh, Flint the Time Detective, Sailor Moon up through R. And the both of them actually worked on the original Digimon Adventure. Oh, yeah, that's not that surprising, actually. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to be really kind of honest here for a sec. I was really bummed out that I didn't get Mary Elizabeth McGlynn back to direct it. Because she's been directing pretty much every Digimon thing, well, besides Data Squad since Tabers. And she really did a lot to improve the overall quality of that franchise, so I'm really kind of sad about that. Especially compared to the early days where Jeff Nimroy was running everything. Yeah. I mean, but uh, all that said, I mean, Ryan Johnson's direction here is pretty solid. I mean, there's nothing really wrong with it. And he does a pretty good job of just letting the actors do their thing. And that works out better for some people than others. But uh, for the most part, it's a solid product and I don't have any serious problems with it. Uh, Script-wise, uh, well, I'm still really... I mean, I know those scripts haven't aged well, but I'm still really willing to defend the old Digimon stuff as being kind of ahead of the curve compared to most toy stuff. Yeah. Uh, but uh, okay, but at the same time, like you can't deny how much that stuff has not aged well, all the jokes and whatnot. So oh, it is. No. Ki- <laughs> so it is kind of nice to get a script for one of these that's actually done straight. I mean, there, I mean, there's a couple of quips here and there, but uh, for the most part, it's fine. And as I and it really does a lot in making this one a much better experience. Yeah, I do appreciate the fact that they actually got script writers from the old Saban era. Yeah, I mean, those two kind of worked at Pseudopolis regular anyway, so that works out, but yeah, it's nice. Because, you know, not only is it does it have fidelity to the Japanese version, it kind of still has that that air of, you know, the, the jokey Saban dubs. It, it's it's nice. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's very nice. Uh, so do you have anything else you want to say on that, or...? Not particularly. I mean, the direction's, like you said, pretty solid. Okay, then, well, I guess we should get to the actual rules, then. Alright, starting off, I've got this huge list here. It's, um, basically the Digimon partners of the human characters. They don't really get much in the way of lines, so I just kind of lumped them all together. Yeah, yeah, that's reasonable. I don't think I had any notes for them, so... Uh, basically, um, Tom Fawn's returning as Agumon... Uh, Kyle Hibbert is taking over for Michael Lindsay, Joseph Pilato, and Lex Lang as the Greymon Evolutions. I know, I just want to kind of point out, I think he was uh, Greymon in uh, Digimon Fusion, so I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Kirk Thornton's back as the Gabumon line. Uh, Melody Svevic is back as Bergermon. But Beomon is replaced with uh, Cherami Lee. And that was uh, Tiffany Kristen before. Tentomon is once again Jeff Nimoy, who... Kind of a special thing, because it it's thanks to Jeff Nimoy that we even learned that Digimon Adventure Tribe was, you know, getting dubbed in the first place. Oh yeah, that was very nice. Ana Garduno is back as Palmon, and Mari Devin is Togemon. Uh, Gomamon is once again our Martin Klein. 
whom I don't think actually ended up being a Kakumon, but it probably would have still been him. Uh, Laura Summer is back as Patamon, and Dave Mello as Anjumon. Uh, Gatomon is another replacement. She was uh, Edie Merman in the original series, and is now Kate Higgins, who also plays Meikumon. Uh, so, any general opinion on the Digimon? Um, okay, well, I mean, the ones who came back pretty much sound the same, so that's so that was kind of nice. I mean, I didn't notice any major changes in their performances that were worth noting, so I was pretty fine with them. As far as the replacements go, I didn't have uh, any real problems with Charmy Lay's Beomon. I thought she sounded fine. Uh, as for Kate Higgins as Gatomon, like... I mean, it sounded fine, but there was something about the old voice that just kind of really clicked for me. Like, yeah, uh, like, like Yeah, there was like a kind of like weird Catwoman-ish vibe to the voice, yeah. if that makes sense. And uh, here it just kind of sounds like a generic cute animal voice, which, I mean, it's fine, but... It works. I mean, it's fine, and it just didn't really say that much. Right, right. <laughs> and, you know, her, her Meikumon is just, you know, cooing, so... Yep. Not really much to say there. Yeah, true. And I, I have to say, if I didn't know any better, I would probably... <laughs> I'd have probably gone on this podcast knowing better, but... Uh, Jeremy Lee actually kind of sounds like the old Beomon. Oh yeah, she does, definitely. I probably would have noticed the difference otherwise. Yeah, and... Um, I do appreciate that they kind of... Well, I would have loved to have seen, at the very least, Lex Lane come back. I am kind of glad that they, you know, put a little consistency in with Greymon. Uh, oh, yeah, that is much appreciated. And because uh, some of those Digimon Evolution voices in the old uh, got a little... Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. Okay, moving on, we have the two, um, the two cabinet agents... Uh, Daigo Nishijima and Makihime Kawa. And also the mysterious uh, Digidestin Meiko Mochizuki, who will, no, <laughs> who will no doubt play an important role in later films, but it's just kind of in the background in this one. Daigo Nishijima is played by Doug Airholes, who you would know as Ginichimaru and Kisuke Urahara in Bleach, Kenneth Elmaloy Archibald in Fate Zero, Akihiro Artland and Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans, and Metal Seedramon in Digimon. Of course, he also played another character in the Digimon franchise, but that will come up in the next section. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that just yet. Makihime Kawa is played by Jeremy Lee, who you would know as Lucy Hartfelia in Fairy Tale if you're doing the Year of Fairy Tale. Uh, <laughs> Kudelia Ina Bernstein in Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans. Uh, to avoid the wrath of Jamal, I have to mention that she plays uh, Minako Aino, a.k.a. Sailor Venus and Sailor Moon. And she also plays Aki, uh, bleh, 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 Asuna Yuki in Sword Art Online. Meiko Mochizuki is played by Christina V. And to avoid the wrath of Andrew, I have to mention she plays Monaka Toa in the future arc of Danganronpa 3. She is Swan in the new fairy tale movie Dragon Cry. She's Kilua Zoldic in Hunter Hunter. And once again, to avoid the wrath of Jamal, Ray Hino, aka Sailor Mars, and Sailor Moon. Okay, um, okay uh, this is another one where I didn't have too many thoughts on them, but uh, I, I thought all three sounded pretty good. 
Like, um, it's kind of an interesting seeing Jeremy Lay get cast more as these kind of like um, older, more mature women because I usually kind of associate her with like peppy girls. So that's yeah. kind of an interesting change of pace. Uh, as far as like Christina V goes, I mean, she's mostly just doing her usual thing here, but Christina V's usual thing is typically very good. So I have no real problem with that. Uh, uh, as for Doug Ertholtz, uh, his, his performance is fine. Uh, there's just something about his casting that irked me considerably, but we'll talk about that later, I guess. I have to repeat the sentiment on uh, Doug Ertholtz, but again, next section, we'll get into a little more detail on that. Um, Jeremy's uh, Maki Himekawa, it's kind of interesting. You kind of hit it on the head that she doesn't really play those older women very often. I kind of like it. Oh yeah, it was very, oh, yeah, it was, uh, very refreshing. And, um, there's not a lot to Mako yet. I mean, really, all she did in the first movie was look for her cat. Yeah, who ended up being a Digimon. Uh, yep, because that was a thing. I mean, she'll have plenty more to do with the other movies, but I guess we'll talk about that whenever that happens, I guess. Okay, so getting on to that section... We have uh, the three Digidestined who were basically replaced from the from the first series. Um, we have Hikari, a.k.a. Kari Kamiya, whom in the movie is played by Tara Sands, whom you would know as uh, Bulbasaur and Richie in Pokemon. Uh, Mokuba Kaiba in Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, Tokiko Chida in Revolutionary Girl Utena. Delia Ulkot in The Slayer's Try. Uh, TK, a.k.a. Takaru Takaishi, is played in the movie by Johnny Young Bosch, who you would know as Lelouch Lamprouge in Code Geass and Julius Kingsley in the Akito the Exiled OVAs. Uh, Ichigo Kurosaki in Bleach. Saku in Beck Mongolian Chop Squad. And Klaus Valka in Last Exile. Okay, basically, do you watch anime? Then you have probably heard Johnny Young Bosch somewhere. Yep, Johnny Young Bosch is the English voice of anime. And we have Joe Kido, played in the movie by Robbie Damon, whom you would know as Mitsuki in the Boruto franchise. Uh, Krolo Lucifer in Hunter x Hunter. Ugh, gotta pour one out for my man Moomin Rider in One Punch Man. And uh, Saray in Tales of Hysteria. So these are kind of going to be the complicated ones. Um, Jet, why don't you start us out? Okay. Uh, all right. Well, let me start off with the one I actually liked. And that would be Tara Sands. Like, so... Okay, so out of all the cast replacements, she was definitely the best one. Uh, like, Larry Joe Miller's voice was so distinct that trying to go for something too similar would have probably made things awkward. Uh, so I really appreciated how much he kind of made this one her own thing. I mean, it felt really natural, and she got into character almost immediately, and it was only to the point where she almost didn't really feel like a replacement at all. That was very nice. And, uh, I mean, it probably helps I heard her less frequently than some of the other folks were talking about. Uh, but she did the character... But she certainly did the character justice, and I'm really looking forward to hearing her in the rest of the movies. And as for the other two, um, okay, so as far as Robbie Damon goes, I was a little bit put off by his performance at first. I mean, 
while Joe wasn't like quite as dorky as Izzy, he was always kind of the more like awkward members of the original gang. So hearing Robbie Damon kind of come in doing his usual sort of smooth, silky smooth thing kind of took me out of things a little bit. Uh, I mean, I guess to be fair, Joe doesn't really have too much to do in this movie aside from like monologuing. So I guess Robbie Damon didn't have that much to work with. And I did kind of like his delivery during that one uh, scene where they're all like sitting around discussing their plans that he mentions he has a girlfriend. And so, oh, and, yeah. Like, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, so like, yeah, so his whole reaction in that bit kind of felt a lot like Joe to me. So, okay, so I think like if he has more material to work with, he might be able to make that one work. I mean, so I, I wasn't too impressed with him. Uh, the fact that he was able to get into character for at least that one scene kind of gives me hope that he'll improve later on. That said, um, I do kind of want to add in, Robbie Damon actually does kind of sound like I would picture Joe to sound like six years later. Uh, 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 yeah, uh, yeah, I guess in a sense. I guess I just kind of wanted it to sound a little bit more socially awkward, if that makes sense. Yeah. But, yeah. And then lastly, uh, getting into Johnny Young Bosch. All right. So, let the record be straight that Johnny Youngbosch is one of my favorite voice actors in anime, but I gotta say that out of all the cast replacements, his performance kind of felt the most phoned in to me. I mean, it's not to say it was, like, bad or anything. I mean, his delivery was totally fine, and he kind of got TK's laid-back attitude in this version down pretty well. Uh, but it mostly just kind of gave me the impression of him doing his usual thing. I mean, that's probably not as big a concern as it is with some of these other replacements. Uh, since uh, Duggar Holt was only TK for one season of Digimon, so it's not like okay, uh, so it's not like people have too much nostalgia for that voice or anything. Uh, and uh, speaking of which, it's really weird that this recast happened to begin with because Dirk Holt Hertz is in the freaking movie. Yeah. So <laughs> why did that happen to begin with? I mean, I guess I mean I guess the easiest thing to assume is that he can't do that voice anymore, but it's so uh, really weird. It's a very similar voice to the one he uses for, like, Urahara and Bleach. It, it just seems kind of weird. I mean, it was probably a casting decision by the director. Probably wanted to have, like, a little more maturity behind his voice. Which, you know, Johnny Young Bosch can do in spades. Mako is one of my favorite characters of Free. Wait, it, it was Mako, right? Yeah, um, was it? Yeah, I think it was Makoto. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, and, I, I don't, I don't worry if we're wrong. The girls will probably crucify us. So, oh yeah, well, <laughs> gonna get another pass to that Fujo dungeon. Woo! <laughs> this time it won't be Andrew's fault. <laughs> and um, I do kind of want to add a little note on uh, on Kari. That was honestly one of the weaker of the three. Oh really? Because I mean. Yeah, Lord Jill Miller's voice is pretty distinctive, and I, I kind of figured that if she had to be replaced, it was probably not going to be somebody who would sound similar to her. I'm I'm really glad Tara Sands made the character her own. I you, For those who listen to the podcast, um, I had my thoughts on the matter in the Berserk episode, where if you're going to take over a role for somebody else, you need to make it your own. Otherwise, you know, especially if it's financial reasons that they don't get the original actor back, it just kind of feels like a slap in the face. And to that extent, I am glad Tara Sands made the character of Kari her own. 
Uh, yeah, so, uh, what were your problems with it specifically? I don't think she sounded quite old enough. Uh, I, dis uh, I disagree on that. She totally sounded like a teenager to me. Like, she sounded like she was somewhere, like, early teenager. And uh, I kind of... I'm pretty sure that's what her age is supposed to be in this person anyway. Yeah, you know what, you're right. <laughs> Disregard. <laughs> I thought she would be a little closer to, like, 16, but you're right. She's probably, like, somewhere closer to 14. Uh, uh, so what do you think on Robbie David, or... Oh, uh, oh, well, oh, yeah, I think you already said that. Yeah, his voice is a natural progression of what I would assume Joe's voice would end up sounding like. Um, I do agree with you that he needs to kind of up the awkward factor a little bit, I guess is the wording I would use. Uh, yeah, that's probably the wording I would use, too, with... But other than that, he's he's doing a really great job. Probably my favorite of the three. And, and not my, and not quite my, but like I said before, I but like I said before, I trust him enough to improve. So hopefully he'll do so in later movies. Yeah. Now these three are the Digidestin that they actually managed to bring the actors back, and they are Mimi Tachikawa, played by Phil Sampler whom you would know as Hiori Tamiya in Lucky Star, uh, the great-grandmother in A Letter to Momo, Binka in Shinzo, if, you know, you're, you're big on the Fox Kids shows, and Beginner in Moncoli Nights. Yeah, and, okay, and in more recent memory for anybody who watches Western animation, you would probably remember her as Old Toph in Legend of Korra. Koshiro, a.k.a. Izzy Izumi, is played by Mona Marshall, who you would know as uh, Konekomaru Miwa in Blue Exorcist, Terriermon in Digimon Tamers, uh, Luciola in Last Exile, and for those who are familiar with Western animation, you would probably know her as Sheila Proklovsky in South Park. Which, uh, you know, that's like one of the biggest tonal whiplashes you could ever get when you start learning about voice actors. <laughs> oh, yeah! You know the kid... You know the... You know, you know who played that kid, Izzy? Oh yeah, she's in one of the most inappropriate cartoons for kids out there nowadays. Uh, that's perfect. Great. <laughs> I gotta love voice acting. And uh, Sora Takanuchi is played by... Uh, oh god. Uh, it's, it's okay if you don't get the last name right, we, we understand. <laughs> uh, Colleen O'Shaughnessy? I want to say is the pronunciation of her last name. Please don't kill me. I have no idea if that's right. Um, she has previously played Ino Yamanaka and Konohamaru in Naruto. Uh, Yoshino, a.k.a. Yoshi Fujieda in Digimon Savers or Data Squad, depending on, you know, when you watch the dub. Uh, Pokota in Slayer's Revolution and Evolution R. And Kelsey, a.k.a. Cure Sunny, and Glitter Force, a.k.a. Smile Pretty Cure. Okay, so let's dive right into these. Alright. Uh, so as far as William Sampler goes, uh, her Mimi was definitely like one of the performances I remember the most from the original dub, so I'm really happy they managed to get her back for this one. Yeah, like, she was she was really distinctive. Yeah. I mean, I know her voice has changed uh, quite a bit over the years. I wasn't sure how well she'd be able to get back into character, but... Uh, she got back in pretty much right right away, and it was really nice seeing her take on that role again without all those obligatory Valley Girl lines she had in the original dub. <laughs> uh, I mean, I didn't notice any 
had a significant change in her performance outside of her lines, for better or worse. But I was pretty happy with that original take to begin with, so I can't really complain. As far as Mona Marshall goes, uh, feelings are pretty much the same on that one. I mean, uh, she's been pretty off on and off on anime these days, so I wasn't really sure if they'd be able to get her back at all, but I'm glad they pulled that one off. Uh, her Izzy was uh, another one of my favorite performances from the original dub, and Izzy was one of the characters I relate the most to, so I'm really happy they got her back for that reason specifically. And uh, it was really nice seeing her kind of recapture that same sense of spirit right off the bat. I mean, it's another... It's another situation where I can't really say her approach changed all that much. But I guess if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, hey, I'm glad that she is back, dorkiness at all. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, as far as Khalid, oh... Songs City. Oh, God. Songs City, I want to say her last name is pronounced. Okay, in any event, she's listening to this. I'm very sorry if I bought your name. Okay, uh, but I gotta, I gotta say, out of these three, her performance is definitely the most interesting. Uh, because, like, out of all the original actors, I could definitely say her voice hasn't really changed that much over the years. But somehow, her approach is the one here that's definitely changed the most. Uh, I mean, Sora was always kind of, like, the most emotional member from the original gang, so... Seeing her kind of scaled that back down a bit for something a little bit more laid back kind of took me by surprise. I mean, I think it definitely works because it kind of gives off the impression that Sora's matured a lot. And there's still, you know, a few bits of her original performance sprinkled in here and there, so I don't doubt she'll be able to pull off the heavier stuff later on. I mean, I wasn't really expecting this approach, but it's what I could get behind. I'm kind of wondering if uh, the differences we're hearing in Sora and Mimi are more script-related than, you know, the acting. As, uh, as, uh, with Mimi, I think it's definitely more the script. Uh, as, uh, with Sora, it's, I think it's definitely a change of performance. I do have to wonder, because I have... I've never actually seen the subversion of Digimon Adventure Season 1. Yeah, so neither have I. I'm wondering if uh, Sora's performance is a little closer to that. Uh, so, uh, I don't know, maybe. I mean, I guess we're not really experts on that, but... Right. <laughs> and, um, you know, Mona Marshall's Izzy is is Izzy. You know, you can't really... <laughs> can't really improve it any more than it's already been improved, so... <laughs> uh. Yeah, well, like I said before, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I do kind of like the fact that they wrote him in as like, oh, what is it? Uh, what is his job? Uh, sorry, wait, is his job? Like, like they basically gave Izzy like this this big tech job, and everybody's so impressed by it. Uh, so, uh yeah, I don't remember exactly what he's doing. As uh, so, I, I, I know, I think he said he was doing like an internship or something like that. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. As I, as I, I, mean, it, I mean, it was one thing I kind of noticed, like, as I, I mean, the dub script, it, I mean, the dub script has been playing things pretty soon for the most part, but I did notice they got one prodigious in, which was kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to get that quota in. <laughs> okay, well, I guess he was the only one with a catchphrase, so. Like, Izzy's not Izzy without the prodigious in there. Are we, wait, are we finally going to do the elephant in the room? Yeah, we're going to do the elephant in the room. Oh, boy, this is going to be fun. Here we go. <laughs> All right, bearer of the crest of friendship, 
And second in command of the Digidestin crew is Yamato, a.k.a. Matt Ishida. Um, this is another cast replacement. In this version, he is played by Vic Mignogna, who you would recognize as Ikaku Madarame in Bleach, uh, Broly in Dragon Ball Z, uh, Rin Matsuoka in Free, Edward Elric in Fullmetal Alchemist, and Kokaiji in Sayuki. So, I, I, yeah, we gotta deal with the elephant in the room. Um, this was probably the weakest performance of the eight Digidescent, in my opinion. Uh, I disagree, but only slightly. Okay, so right off the bat, this was a classic replacement that people seemed the most concerned about. And I was kind of on two of two minds on this particular subject. I mean, because on the one hand, so much of what made the original dub work was the chemistry between Joshua Seth and Michael Raines as Ty and Matt. And Vic's, and Vic's voice is about as far south as Michael Raines as you can get. So there's really kind of no chance we're going to be able to replicate that effect. I mean, but to his credit, and I guess this might be why he was cast in that role... Vic does sound a lot like Matt's replacement Sayu. I don't remember his name off the top of my head. Sorry about that. Uh, and I think people were kind of being a little bit unfair and like just trying to crucify Vic Mediana right off the bat without actually hearing his take. Uh, so having actually heard it, I think he did okay. I mean, he's definitely not Michael Reigns, and I kind of had to come into this with that in mind. But I think he at least kind of puts an honest effort in, and given that Matt's grumpy for pretty much the entirety of this movie, I mean, there wasn't really that much room for him to give the character any kind of nuance the same way Michael Reigns did. I mean, but I feel, I mean, not the very least, I feel Vic kind of hit all the cores he needed to. I mean, and while there were a few instances where it felt a little bit phoned in, I mean, I, it at least kind of felt a little bit more enthusiastic to me than Johnny Young Boss's approach did, for whatever reason. I mean, and I definitely get why people were upset by that casting choice, and I don't really blame them. But I think he did an okay job. I mean, and at the very least, it didn't really distract from the overall quality of the dub too much to me. So, I, I mean, so, if he's, so I guess I'm up for him being in the rest of the movies, for better or worse. Okay. So here's my big problem with Vic Mignogna's Matt. He didn't sound angry enough. Really? In the big scene. Really? I sounded just like nothing but perpetual anger to me. <laughs> like, that that whole thing with, um, with Metal Greymon being beaten down by Alphamon, and he's trying to snap Ty back out of it. It's hard to put into words, but there's just not a lot of growl in the back of his voice, kind of yelling. That was the part of his performance I felt was a little more phoned in. Uh, that's right. uh, I, uh, I can kind of get where you're coming from on that. I mean, I thought he sounded fine in that instance, but I kind of get where you're coming from. But it is kind of interesting that you say he wasn't angry enough, considering his last Digimon role was pretty much the angry kid in Digimon Fusion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, of course, I I really didn't get a chance to watch much of Digimon Fusion because of, you know, Nickelodeon. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty but, sure it's still on Netflix, but... Yeah, I just haven't had time to check it out on Netflix. Um, I actually did kind of bring up uh, Reen from Free <clears throat> when I was bringing up his performances because that was... 
I kind of had a little bit of a similar problem with him in uh, in Eternal Summer. Yeah, yeah, that's another one where I disagree on. He was like one of the two voice. He was one of the two actors in that dub who I felt was actually kind of trying. His performance from a technical standpoint is spot on. It would be about what I would picture Matt's more adult voice would sound like, but I just don't think he hits the emotional highs when he needs to. That is my only issue with it. Um, yes, uh, so, uh, yeah, I can kind of understand your point here. I mean, I mean, that might also be also more of an issue of direction, too. That could be. As I, as I, and because, like, I, I mean, I did kind of want, I mean, because I did want some of the behind the credit stuff. And then Ryan Johnson did kind of make a lot of notes that he just kind of mostly let the actors do their own thing, for better or worse. So, I mean, so, I mean, so, I mean, so I don't know, maybe, like, a little bit more directed, that might have worked out better, but who knows. Yeah. Hopefully for the fourth, fifth, and sixth movie they can do that, since the first three are pretty much done now. Hey, so, any other thoughts on Vic Mignotta, or can we finally move on to the other big one? Let us move on to the last one. Bearer of the Crest of Courage, and the leader of the Digidescent team. Uh, Taichi, a.k.a. Tai Kamiya, is played in English by his original Digimon voice actor, Joshua Set, whom you would know as Joe Shimamura in Cyborg 009. Uh, the, like, the, the old Toonami Cyborg 009, not any of the new ones. Dio Airclase in Last Exile. Hige in Wolf's Reign. And Sparky in the Lost Dub of Speed Racer X, aka like the '97 Speed Racer reboot. Oh wow, I forgot there was one. <laughs> okay, so my thoughts on this one are pretty much just wow. I mean, like Joshua Seth's been retired from voice acting for a while, so like not only was it kind of hard to say if he'd be able to come back for this, it was hard to say if he'd even be able to do Ty as well as he did in the original Adventure Dub. But honestly, you uh, you'd never really be able to tell any of that because he gets back in the character pretty much right off the bat. Like for the second Ty opens his mouth, it's uh, it makes you feel exactly like a little kid again, and he pretty much blew his original performance right out the water. Like, you can really feel how much Ty's matured compared to the original Adventure series. And hearing him kind of work through Ty's struggles towards adulthood while still kind of carrying, you know, all the same spark of his original character. I mean, it really just kind of helped to add a little bit of extra weight to some of the heavier moments of the film. And uh, even more so than the first time I watched it in Japanese. Like, it's just honestly kind of magical. I mean, for retired voice actor to come back and, like, not only be able to do his original performance as well as ever, but to pretty much elevate it, it's just really impressive. And I just gotta say, I'm really glad he came back. Like, it made me feel like a little kid again, and I can't imagine anyone else doing him justice. It was one of my favorite roles in the movie, and this opinion of mine is gonna sound a little strange... But I did watch a little bit of the first season to get myself back into things before I watched the dub a try. And I have to say, Joshua Seth's tie sounds a little more accurate to the design in try than the original series. Because his voice, watching it as an adult, kind of sounds a little too old in the, uh, in the series. Uh, wait, which series? 
the first season of Adventure. As, as, uh, yeah, it always did kind of sound a little bit old. I mean, it worked, but I can kind of right. say that sound a bit, yeah. It, it was just a little jarring for a 10-year-old. But um, now that Ty is like 16, 17-ish, uh, it really fits the character. And I do have to say, <clears throat> when Ty's kind of losing it in the fight with uh, Alphamon, it shows a side of, of the character you really didn't get in Adventure. Like, other than, you know, when Greymon became Skull Greymon, and you really started to see Ty's fear. Yeah, yeah, that was always kind of a part of the original that really stood out to me, especially the last time I rewatched the show. That is one of the moments of the original dub that stands out to me. And the aftermath of it, where he, where Ty's just so afraid to do anything. Uh, uh, oh yeah, I remember that bit pretty vividly. Uh, one of the other things I remember was uh, that whole bit with, um, uh, that whole bit with Cedar Mod, where Ty kind of like goes in depth about like all his feelings as an older brother, and, and like all his struggles of having to kind of having to be the mature one, even though he doesn't want to be. And, yeah. it, and, and, and it was kind of interesting hearing him carry that same level of spirit here. Like, it was really impressive. Actually, you know, now that you bring that up, the uh, the whole fight between Ty and Matt during the uh, the Dark Masters arc where Matt ends up doing the one thing you don't do because you draw the wrath of the Game Master and splits the party up. That's actually kind of the point I wanted to drive home with uh, with Vickman on his Matt. Ty and Matt's fight in that scene just doesn't have the same resonance in Try as it did in the Dark Masters art. As I, I mean, yeah, like I said before, like Vic and Michael Rise don't sound identical, so I don't think we're ever really going to be able to replicate that chemistry. But right, it, but it really is kind of disappointing. But uh, yeah, Joshua Seth's Ty is like it's one of those voice acting performances that stuck with me for many, many years after the show ended. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, same here. Like, I didn't remember a lot about Dear Little Dub, but I always remembered his tie. And I, I'm really glad that not only did uh, Toei reach out to him to come back, but he actually did. <clears throat> and not only that, was able to convey the original performance about as well. Honestly, like, honestly I think he sounded even better than his original performance. Like, it really impressed mm. me. Oh, definitely. That may have more to do with, you know, the modern standards of dubbing than anything else, but... Yeah, I mean, because uh, this is another one of those moments where, like, I watched a bit of behind-the-scenes stuff, and he talked a little bit about how he changed his approach for this one, how he kind of wanted to sound a lot more introspective, and you could really feel that in his performance. Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't get the, uh, the bonus stuff yet. I really should have. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's not too, too many details in there, but uh, there's some stuff. I mean, uh, they went over some stuff with the director, some of the actors, well, not Vic Mignotta for some reason, but maybe they're saving that for the next film. As, I, mean, I, mean, they did, I mean, they did get some bits where, like, uh, Christina V and um, Charmy Lee were talking about uh, getting into the franchise for the first time, but that was kind of interesting. Oh, cool. Uh, anything else? So, uh, like, apparently the actors still get a lot of mail and stuff about the roles, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it gets brought up whenever they do, like, conventions. I guess now's the time I'm going to re-talk about our final thoughts on the dub. Uh, I, I mean, it would have been really great if they could have gotten all the original actors back, but 
I mean, but they did about as well a job on that as they could have, well, except for whatever happened with other holds, but we don't know. We can't speculate too much on that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, so aside for that little nitpick, I mean, it, I mean, it's like all the all the original voice actors sound great. Uh, it's like the replacements are a little bit more hit and miss, but for the most part, they sound fine. And I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt that they'll improve in the later films. And all in all, it was just really nice that this got done because honestly, because honestly, it was really kind of up in the air if we were ever going to see this at all. I mean, between yeah. Toei being well. Toei, and the fact that this was a film and not a TV series, it was really kind of up in the air. Yeah. And, yeah, and then it was a whole debacle with Saban's license on top of that, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about them not having the rights anymore. I mean, under Toei, it's, it's more accurate to the Japanese, but there was just kind of a thing about the way Saban handled the original Digimon dub that it's near and dear to my heart. Yeah. I mean, plus, I guess to be fair, the last time we got a Toei directed Digimon dub, we got a Digimon Data Squad, and that dub was, uh, not as good as the others. I'll say that much. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I have flashbacks to that. <laughs> uh, but, uh, anyway, this, uh, but anyway, this was like a nice little trip down to South Lane. It made me feel like a little kid again. And I'm very happy with the direction these movies are going in overall. I mean, the fourth movie kind of stumbled a little bit. Uh, but for the most part, the movies have been kind of pretty enjoyable in addition to being a good nostalgia trip. And I'm really interested in seeing how the story ends. Uh, truth be told, I have not seen very much of the Japanese version. I saw the first movie in its entirety and then maybe like, I, I want to say about half of the second. Ah, oh, oh, man, oh, man, you definitely need to get to the third movie. You will, you will most certainly cry. Uh, <laughs> I, I know, like, Leomon comes back, and I'm not ready for that. <laughs> as, 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 I know that's not, like, the major sad thing of that movie. Like, it, 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 it goes places. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, any any Leo Monarch in the Digimon Tramp franchise is just the epif uh, the epitome of just fuck me up, fam. Uh, 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 sometimes it is, and then sometimes it's just hilarious. Like like Leo Leo Monarch just fated to die all the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we should uh, have like a Leo Mon award for just the character that bites it the best. Yeah, I don't know what they have against him. <laughs> Me neither. Maybe it's just that he's so stoic that, you know, there is nothing they can do with him other than heroic sacrifice. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. So, any other thoughts? or? Yeah, um, I'm really glad this got done. And like you said, there was a lot up in the air about it getting dubbed at all. And I'm really glad Toei, you know, took the time to try and get this right. It's been, what, a year and a half-ish since the first movie came out? Uh, and we... Yeah, it's been a, maybe like two years, but yeah, that's about right. And we just got it on Blu-ray and DVD like a month and a half ago from when this was recorded. Yep, and the second and third movies are coming down the pipeline pretty quick, apparently. The original actors, 
hit their marks as they needed to. Um, while the uh, while the replacements were a little more hit and miss, uh, there's plenty of time for them to figure out their roles and get a little more comfortable in them. So uh, yeah, like this was a really nice romp down memory lane. Yep, one I definitely wasn't really trying to see happen, but I'm really glad it did. Digging through your fridge and finding uh, the last can of Ecto Cooler kind of nostalgia. It's nice. Yeah, so, yep, and now you reminded me that I actually still have Digimon trading cards sitting in my room somewhere. Oh, so do I, so do I. Uh, <laughs> like, the trading cards are the game. Yeah, no, uh, like, I have the original Digimon World game, and I have, like, trading cards sitting somewhere. Because uh, I, I, somewhere in my house, I have, like, a box worth of the, the trading card game. Yeah, I don't think I ever really learned how that trading card game works. <laughs> it was weird. Uh, but my god, it was fun. I'll have to take your word for it on that one. I definitely vividly remember playing Digimon World, though. Mostly because I never got very far in that game. Like, I was never, ever able to make an ultimate Digimon. And that like, makes me sad to this day. Like, Digimon games, I would always just kind of grind near the beginning. And it would it would be really hard because I would, I would hit my memory limit, like, early. And I could only have, like, one or two Digimon with me at any given time. Uh, yeah, those games are always weirdly complicated. But uh, they're very fun. And uh, that's kind of it for my thoughts, I guess. I, I mean, yeah. again, this was kind of a really nice trip down memory lane, and I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of those movies dubbed. Now, if you want to own Digimon Adventure Try, um, it is available on DVD and Blu-ray through Shout Factory. They have the rights up through the third movie at the moment. Uh, the first movie is out now. Like, you can, you can go to the store and go get it. And uh, the second movie will be available the coming Tuesday from when this episode is supposed to be released. August 15th. And um, I'm not actually sure if you can pick it up digitally, but I'm sure it'll be on, like, PlayStation Network, Microsoft Marketplace, Google Play, and iTunes. Maybe Amazon as well. <laughs> Amazon... <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, let's not open up that kind of worms. Yeah. <laughs> and um, if you want to watch the movie subbed, it is available on Crunchyroll. Uh, it's kind of an unusual format where they've broken the movie up into like four or five episodes per movie. Yep, uh, they are currently up to movie four. Yeah, when, when is movie five? Do you think that's before August? Uh, movie five is like September-ish, and I guess the last one will be out by January, February. So, Jet, um, where might we be able to find you on the interwebs? Okay, uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, username uh, Jared's Infinity, or at DivineNega. Uh, you can also find me on my blog, animationinfinity.com, where I'll occasionally write reviews about stuff or, or like, uh, plow through seasonal stuff. And uh, you can also read my My Hero Academia reviews on the fandom post. And you can find me, Roots of Justice, on Twitter, at Roots of Justice. Um, mainly, I just retweet pug pics 
probably going to end up getting shadow banned one of these days. Uh, my retweeting habits. Uh, Twitter. Um, I wear a nice tinfoil hat every once in a while. It's fun times. You, you should follow me on Twitter. And um, also, I occasionally pop on to the Funimation forums, so I'm there too. So that has been an episode. Um, you can find Dub Talk on the YouTubes. Uh... I, I believe it's like youtube.com slash dubtalk. Uh, we'll, we'll probably just have a, a link, a URL somewhere. Yep, and <laughs> you can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Twitter um, at Dubtalk Podcast. I'm pretty sure we have an Instagram. Do we? Yeah, I think we have a Tumblr and an Instagram as well. Um, and we're also looking into alternative distribution methods for the podcast, so stay tuned. Yep, and to the two of, and from the two of us, thank you for listening to this little nostalgia trip, and we'll see you next time. Otaku on there,